0: In all our congregations, we've been doing the prayer series over the last, well, not, not lots of weeks now, <laughs> lots of weeks, and today is actually the final, is a final part of the prayer series. And, and God has just been doing something, just, just something great uh, through this across, across the church is God has been building a real culture of prayer and understanding that, that prayer actually matters. And we had those great testimonies, as I mentioned this morning. Prayer matters. It, it, it matters if we're all involved in prayer. Amen. And the whole principle of what we've been talking about is, is that our house, or my house, will be a house of prayer. In Matthew 21, this is, this is recorded, Matthew 21, verse 12, where Jesus turned over the tables and he said, It is written, he said to my house will be called a house of prayer. But you'll make it a den of robbers. Now, none of us is a den of robbers, so don't worry about that. Okay? Okay? But, what, but the point we're emphasizing is what Jesus said, that his house, he, his desire, his plan, and his purpose is for his house to be a house of prayer. And then for us to understand that, there's two kind of aspects and outworkings of that. That, that first, we need to understand that, that we, us as people, that I will be a house of prayer. That the God wants my individual life, God wants your individual life to be a house of prayer. And also understand that God wants us corporately together, that we are a house of prayer. Does that make sense? So individually, we see ourselves as a house of prayer, that prayer is a priority in our lives, and as a church family, as a church body, that prayer is a priority in our lives. And I'd really encourage you, uh, as Sandy mentioned about the prayer meeting on Monday nights, get along to the prayer meeting. I know it's it's on Zoom, get along to Zoom, (laughs) you can do it from your house, it's nice and convenient. There's kind of no excuses in that sense, let's all be part of it. There's so much power when we pray together, and I'm going to talk a bit more about that later as we, as we pray together. The power that there is in that No prayer is for everyone. Amen. You remember prayer in its simplest form of prayer is just communicating with God. They're so just communicating with God like that's, <laughs> like that's not important, like it's not a huge thing, right? But that's what prayer is, right? And this is kind of my angle. This is, this is the angle I always look at it from is that, you know, the basis of any relationship is communication, isn't it? basis of any relationship, whether it's with, with a husband or a wife, whether it's with a child, whether it's with a, a, a friend, whether it's with work colleagues. You know, if you had a relationship with someone, whatever the context is, but you never spoke to them, that would be an odd relationship, right? Your husband and wife, you never speak to each other, that's, that's, that's an unusual marriage, right? If, you, if you've got children, but you never, ever speak to them, they never speak to you, that's, that's not, is the relationship being everything it should be? Well, it's not, is it, right? So if we can understand in a natural sense, how much more should we understand in a spiritual sense? The essence of our relationship with God should be communication, which is us talking to him and him talking back to us. It's a two-way conversation. Amen? It's the basis of relationship. Amen. But well, today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Very exciting subject, subject that sometimes gets misunderstood. And so it's for us, important for us to understand that what, is, what does this actually uh, mean for us? What does it mean to be engaged in a spiritual warfare what, what does God want us to do in that? What does, what does prayer look like in that context? So, we're going to just, kind of just, just build some foundations and then uh, talk more about it. So, let's kind and start with the Bible where we always should start. You know, spiritual warfare in the Old Testament is not actually talked about that much. There's, there's this, there's in, in the Old Testament, there's, there's bits of Daniel which talk about uh, the archangel and, and, and the prince of Persia, and it's kind of something we haven't got time to look at all, this, all the scriptures on that, but you can look it up in your own time and some, some stuff that's kind of talked about. But in a general sense, it's not talked about that much. In fact, in fact, things like demons are barely talked about at all in the Old Testament. And I always think this is really interesting, because, as I said, demons are barely mentioned at all in the Old Testament, and then Jesus comes along, and it's like demons flying out left, right, and center. Anyone else notice this? <laughs> something, something changes, something, there's a big shift, isn't there? And that's because of, obviously, the authority that's got himself has come on the earth. Suddenly the whole There's been a huge authority shift, right? That's what's, that's what's happened. Remember, the demons always, they all knew knew full well who Jesus was. You see over and over again, again, we haven't got time to look at all the scriptures, but over and over again, the demons like, have you come to talk to us, son of God? They knew who he was. It was a religious, the irony of what was going on in Jesus' time is the religious leaders didn't have a clue who he was, or confused who he was, or was jealous of who he was, but the demons knew full well who Jesus was. They weren't confused. And that's interesting, isn't it? Like I said, in the Old Testament, demons aren't really mentioned that much, there's a bit of spiritual warfare mentioned here and there, but then Jesus comes along. Suddenly, there's a whole different, like, authority level uh, on the on the earth. Yeah, but the spiritual world is very, very real. Amen. And so often, as, so often, we can just uh, just just kind of look with our natural eyes, and we just understand what goes on around us and what we can see and hear and you know, taste and smell and etc. Kind of the five, you know, the five senses that, that God's given us. You know, but they're not as real as the spiritual world. The spiritual world is even more real than what we can see, the tangible things of what we can see around us. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 and 18, the Apostle Paul writes this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So what is seen is temporary, for what is unseen is eternal. Amen? Can someone start this clock for me? Because I don't think I've started it. It's not doing anything. Okay. Thank you, Sandy. I pressed start and it didn't do anything. Anyway. There we go. There we go. I think it's working. I'm sure you don't want me to speak for an hour, so I thought I'd <laughs> better let you know that I hadn't started. Anyway. So, there's two very r- real realms there's, there's a physical realm. There's what we can see with our, with our eyes, what we can sense with our, with our five different senses. We can see and hear and smell and taste and, and touch. And there's five senses that God's given us physically that we're blessed with. But the spiritual world is even more real. As Paul says there, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. The spiritual world is eternal. God himself is eternal. Amen? He's always been, and he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's always been, and he always will be. No one created God. He just, he just is, right? He's the great I Am. So what is seen is temporary, because what is seen, the reason it's temporary is because it's created. Now, we're created, aren't we? The world's created. The universe is created. We we're, as we're humans are created. But God is not created. He goes, he goes beyond that. He operates completely outside of time and space. He, he, he is eternal. And Paul's encouraging us there, to fix our eyes on the spiritual. because So often we can be looking at the circumstances around us. But what Paul's saying no, but no don't fix your eyes on what's going on around you. Fix your eyes on what is unseen. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Amen? You know, and as you do that, it, it very much, it really encourages me because it totally changes your perspective on what's going on in your world. You know, sometimes I think about this. What, you know, when, when, when we're in heaven... All our kind of our momentary troubles on this world—they're going to seem so. They're going to seem so uh, kind of small, aren't they? And kind of arbitrary. And you kind of think, why in the world did I used to worry <laughs> about those things? Here I am in the presence of God forever, and I used to worry about how I was going to pay, how I was going to pay for that, or how I was going to do that, and how I was going to do that in time, and all those kind of things. That they can be real anxieties. I get that, but you know, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, it changes our perspective about things. Amen. Because it gets our eyes off of ourselves and our focuses on Him. Who is, who is unseen, we can't, we can't see God, but we know he's real, and he's much, even more real than the physical, tangible world. Amen? So this is kind of where spiritual warfare fits in, that what's going on in, in this world, there's a lot going on spiritually, that we can't necessarily see with our, our physical eyes, but there's a manifestation of it physically, what is going on in our world. There's a whole spiritual battle going on in our world right now. You know, every, every war that happens, every, every battle, every, every bad, bad stuff that you might see on the news, there's spiritual stuff going on behind it all, right? And suddenly, so when, we, when we understand that and, get, and have a revelation of that and understanding of how that, how that operates, then it changes our whole perspective um, on what's going on in our world. It's a spiritual battle going on. Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 12, well-known passage, Paul writes this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And we'll come back to the armor of God later in the message. This is a bit I want to focus on at this point. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, this is, what, this is what Jesus was doing. This is the battle that Jesus was engaged in when he was on the earth. We heard it earlier, didn't we? This, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came that they might have life, that we might have life. To destroy, and it's also another scripture, he, Jesus came to destroy all the works of the evil one. That was, that was the spiritual battle that, that, was, that was going on, right? And our battle was not against flesh and blood, but there are rulers, there are authorities, and we don't need to fear any of this stuff, but there are, there are powers in this dark world, are spiritual forces of evil there are that's what scripture's is telling us right there are but remember we don't need to fear any of this stuff we're on the winning side okay don't fear anything right there's no there's no place for fear in the life of a life of a believer but these are very real rulers and authorities and powers and forces i read a book recently it's called god uh, god has a name it was a really interesting book uh, by john uh, john mark homer I think it and um it's a really interesting book, and one thing he talks about is all about unpacking basically what Yahweh means, what it means that God is, God is Yahweh, God is God, Yahweh means Lord, God Almighty. And, but what he also talks about is other, is other spiritual authorities, and it was really interesting because it kind of got me thinking in a way I hadn't thought about before. And he said, like, in, in, say, in other religions or um, where there are other faiths, you know, we often talk about, well, they're just praying to a dead God. And, and kind of his angle on that is, well, that probably actually isn't quite right? They probably actually are praying to some sort of force somewhere. Um, you know, so when people pray to Allah, are they praying to nothing or are they praying to some spiritual force that's not good? Well, I think that's probably the reality. They're not praying to nothing. And, and, and when Hindus pray, pray to their thousands of different gods that they have, are they praying to spiritual forces? I think they probably are. I think that's the reality. Have, have and we have to understand that. Now, they're totally subject to God. God has a total victory, total authority, right? So we understand that. But this is the spiritual world that we live in, right? Now the great news is we have total authority in Christ. So remember, we're still building a foundation here. We're going to get to the outworking of this uh, later. But we have total authority in Christ. And any, any, any demon, any spiritual force, any, any power in this dark world, and whether it's ones that people follow, or they, or they pray to, or they don't even know that they're involved, you know, people get involved in the occult and all that kind of stuff, and they don't know what they're messing with. They have no, no idea what they're messing with. But, it, but it's very, very real. It, but, it, but Jesus has a total authority. You know, and, and the powers of this dark world, they will try and claim the authority. The devil will try and claim authority even in your life. But Jesus has a total authority. Now the devil has absolutely no right to do anything in your life if you're a believer this morning. I'll say that again: the devil has no legal authority to do anything in your life if you're a believer. Literally, zip, none, zero, has no right. Now he will try and whisper in your ear, and he will try and do stuff. He will try and do stuff in your life, but he has no authority in which to do that. Amen. You've been bought by the by the blood of Jesus, and we see that kind of the, the journey that happens through the uh, through the Bible. In terms of authority, and of course it was authority that was given to Adam, given to Adam and Eve originally, and of course um, of course they sinned and, and messed up. And authority was stolen by Satan through deception, through the through the serpent, and through deceiving them, then and authority was taken away from Adam and Eve. You know, but Jesus then reclaimed the authority at the cross for us. Amen? You know, as believers we need to understand the victory that we have in him. The victory that we have in Jesus. Colossians 2, verse 13 to 15 says this. Paul writes, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross." And that's what the cross means for us. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. To disarm the, the, the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. Remember, they thought the devil thought that, that he'd won. If, if the devil had underst- Remember, the devil is not all-knowing like God is. If the devil had understood what the cross was going to mean for him, he would have done everything to stop Jesus going to the cross. He thought it was victory. He thought the Son of God is dead. He thought it was the ultimate victory. But he didn't know that God it was God's plan all along. Amen. And he made a public spectacle of, of the of the uh you know the authorities and the powers jesus completely disarmed and we took the keys of, of even death and hades itself jesus now has those keys amen and has defeated the power of sin and, and and death once and for all once and for all you know a couple of people earlier were talking about talking about a death you know even even in death there is no defeat for the believer in death just want to kind of just just, just just kind of stick that... I'm kind of digressing a little bit. But there is no defeat in death. Now, Paul says, you know, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Even, even, when, even when we leave this earth, there's is, there is not a defeat for a Christian. In fact, it's the greatest glory that we're ever going to experience. Amen? And, I, and my mum passed away nearly, nearly 10 years ago, and this has totally changed my perspective of, of what, what heaven, the reality of heaven and what that means for us. Amen? At the, time, at the time when she was unwell, God kept speaking about it. The, the reality of what Paul said is to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul, Paul kept almost like, almost like begging God, can I please go and be with you? Because it's far better. So remember, even in death itself, and of course we're believing for healing in all these situations. We absolutely are. Amen? Because that's, that's God's will. Amen? So we absolutely are believing for, for healing and restoration and health and wholeness. Amen? But even when death happens, it's not a defeat for a Christian. It's the, in fact, it's the ultimate victory. Amen. There is no more sting in death. Amen. Jesus won the power of the death and will be in God's presence forever. Amen. Amen. You are still with me? That's fabulous. So, he, so through the cross, he disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So remember, so we are part of the winning kingdom. Men, we are part of the winning team because of what Jesus has done for us. Colossians 1, 13 to 14, so the previous chapter, Paul writes this, "For well, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the king of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So if you're a believer this morning, you've been brought out of the dominion, you were in one dominion, not the kingdom. You know, Satan is not the king of anything. Sometimes this gets, this gets misquoted. Okay? We were not brought out of the kingdom of darkness. Satan is not, is not a king. He's the king of nothing, right? Whatever he tries to tell us. We brought out the dominion of darkness, we brought into the kingdom of the Son of His love, amen, through whom we have the redemption of sins, amen? So we're now under the authority of the King, amen? You know, it should be easy for us to understand, in our, in our country we live in a kingdom, it should be easy for us to understand this, this principle, right, about kind of how it works, we live in the UK, the United Kingdom, and in a spiritual sense, you know, we live in a kingdom, Amen? There, there there is a king and he has total and in this, don't wait, in the spiritual sense, not the physical uh, King Charles, but talking about the spiritual king, he has total authority. Amen. And this is where it fits in that Satan has no legal authority over us. God has total authority. We've been bought at a price. Amen? The price of the price has been paid once and for all. So Satan has no authority over your life. I just want to just encourage you, just encourage you to be in that. Amen? He has, no, he has no right to do anything negative in your life. He has no right to do anything in your life. He has no right to whisper in your ear. He has no right to do anything. You're, you're totally free this morning. Because you've been brought out of the dominion of darkness. If you were still in the dominion of darkness, he would have legal authority to do stuff. And a spirit, spiritual legal authority, he would. You know, when Jesus was talking about, the, um, was talking about some of the religious leaders, he, he said their father, their father was a devil. And the devil was a liar and the devil was the father of lies and they were just serving the devil and they didn't even know they were doing that because they, because they, kind of, they weren't part of the kingdom of light. They were part of the dominion of darkness and not understanding who Jesus was. But for us who have been brought to life, amen, been born again been brought out of that dominion into the kingdom of light, Satan has no legal authority to do anything in your life. The only, thing, only authority he could ever have is if you allow him to have some authority. And he will whisper in your ear, he will throw temptations your way. He, he will bombard you with temptations. I did this once at Waterside, and I, 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 I'm just going to do it now. So I just want to just, you don't have to close your eyes around him, but just have a think about it. What, what's the biggest temptation you face in your life? What's, what's the biggest temptation? What is the biggest thing you struggle with in your, in your Christian life? What's the biggest temptation you face and struggle with to overcome? Just have a think about it. I don't think about it too much. Okay. But this, what's, what's the biggest thing that you struggle with? Now, the reason I'm getting to think about that is it's just to kind of open your spiritual eyes as well. That's the thing the devil's going to bombard you with, day after day after day after day. We just need to be open. We just need to have our eyes, spiritual eyes open to this, right? So the devil will bombard you with stuff. Remember, temptation itself is not a sin, but when we give in to temptation and allow it to become a, that thought, to become an action, that's when it becomes sin. But of course, we know well, Jesus will forgive us if we confess our sins. Amen? It's faith and just to forgive us you offer us some all unrighteousness. Praise God for that. But Satan has no right to do it in your life. He will try and do stuff in your life. He will bombard you with temptation, bombard you with thoughts. He will, he will he'll bring circumstances in your life. He will try and wind you up. but try and make you, make you angry and frustrated. You know, if you're believing God for a promise, he'll do just like he did with Adam and Eve. So, did God really say? That's what he will do that. So, we just have to have our spiritual eyes open. Amen? But remember, he has no right to do anything in your life. Okay? 1 John 4, verse 4. John writes, says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Praise God. Amen. Remember, the devil is totally defeated. He knows that his his time is up or his time time is coming. There's going to be the final judgment. He knows that. Amen. So in our our lives, in in this battle of spiritual warfare that's going on, let's not ever let the enemy in. Amen. Don't let the enemy into your life. Don't let him into your thought life. Amen? Now the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and and he will flee. We'll come back to that scripture in a minute. But that's that's the reality. The devil has no right to do anything. Don't, Don't let the enemy in. Amen? Don't let him into your thought life. Don't let him into your family's life. Amen? So we'll come back to that in a second. I just want to look now look at kind of the Great Commission. Remember, it's all talking about the authority and what Jesus done on the cross by rectifying the, you know, the mistakes that Adam made. The Bible describes Jesus as the second Adam because he rectified everything that went wrong with the first Adam. Matthew 28, 18 and 19 is a Great Commission. We talk about this Lowe's as a church. But Jesus approached and a breaking the silence said to his disciples, all authority, or in the Amplified, all authority, all, all power of rule in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So so here it clearly illustrates all authority now been taken back by Jesus through, through what he did on the cross. All authority was, was his. Amen. But what's, what's so amazing, because that's, that's amazing in itself, and that's brilliant, and that's uh, amazing, but that actually makes a difference to our everyday lives in this battle of spiritual warfare, this spiritual battle that we're in, this spiritual reality that we're in. Because Jesus then says, go then. Go then. And what he was saying is, go then in this authority. All authority on heaven has to be given to me. Go then and make disciples. But go in that authority. Amen? And the apostles, they, they, they totally got this. And you read this in the book of Acts, obviously following straight on from this after Jesus has ascended. And you see all this, the great stuff that happens in the book of Acts is because they walked in that authority. They got it. They had a revelation of that reality. All authority on heaven and earth would be given to Jesus. But now it was, it was a delegated authority that would be given to them. They could go in that authority. Amen? I just want to read the uh, story from Acts chapter 3. Well known well known scripture, but it says this Acts three verses one to ten. One day Peter and John says it's only a third chapter of Acts, not long after Jesus ascended and, and said made that statement, All authority in heaven and earth be given to me, go then. Acts three verses one. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, "Look at us." So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from us. All the guy was really what he was after was money. It wasn't even after healing. Right? But verse six. Then Peter said, "Silver or gold, I do not have. What I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk." So they understood this revelation they now had—that all authority in heaven and earth be given to Jesus. It's not their authority, and this is true for us. It's not—it's not actually our authority. All the glory goes to God, amen? It's him that carries all the authority, but, it, but God has allowed us to, to go in that authority, to do things in that authority, amen? It's delegated it to us. Verse, verse seven is a great story. Continuing, taking him by the right hand, Peter helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So, what an amazing encounter happens here! This guy, this guy's life is radically changed. Remember, he wasn't even looking for healing; he was just wanting wanted some food, uh, wanted some money, presumably for food and, and drink to survive. But what they said to him was, "Silver and gold, I don't have. What I do have, I'm giving in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I have rise up and walk." They understood that delegated authority. That they've been given. That in the spiritual world that they were operating in, that they could, they could walk in authority. You know, and we can walk in that same authority. Amen? Because of what Jesus has done. Amen? It should encourage you this morning. It encourages me. Amen? And remember, it isn't our authority. No, absolutely. All the glory goes to Him. It's not our authority because we haven't done anything, right? We, we've just accepted the reality of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. It's a, it's a, it's a free gift, you know, it's, it's a gift of grace, unmerited favor. Everything we have through Jesus, we've, we've, we've done nothing other than accept it. So it's God's authority or authority that Jesus has, but we can walk in that delegated authority. Jesus wants us to walk in that authority, to understand who we are in Christ. Amen? Yes. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, Paul writes, For though we live in the world, we do not wage as the, as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen? So again, it's making, Paul's making this point that we're in a spiritual war. We're not waging war as the world does. It's not some, a natural war that we're taking place with. And the weapons we're fighting with are not, are not natural weapons. They're not guns or, or swords or spears or, or anything like that. But, but they're not the weapons of this world, but they're, they're spiritual weapons that we can operate in. And they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And and, pray, and this is where, to kind of bring all this stuff together, this is where prayer fits in. Prayer itself is a spiritual weapon. Amen? This is where we can operate in spiritual warfare. We can operate in the authority, that delegated authority that Jesus has given us. Amen? You know, sometimes seeing our prayers answered, it can involve dealing with the unseen spiritual realm. It can involve, it can involve dealing with that. And seeing, seeing breakthroughs in that, or seeing strongholds being broken down. You know, but we can pray in authority that Jesus has given us. We can pray in His name. What a wonderful name that is, the name of Jesus. The name Jesus, meaning Yeshua, uh, meaning Yeshua saves. The Lord God Almighty saves, is what Jesus means. What an incredible name Yeshua is, or Jesus in English. What, a, what, a, what an amazing name. And the power that's carried within that. Because all authority on earth and and, on heaven and earth has been given to him. Amen? Amen. just encourage you this morning. So I'm going to come back to James 4 verse 7. I mentioned it earlier. I was kind of getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Flee from you. So when, when temptation comes your way, let's look at some different aspects. When temptation comes your way. A, a, a devil will try and put thoughts in your head or try and t- or tempt you to, to do stuff that you know this is not godly. You know, Submit yourself to God, but resist him, and he must flee. He has no choice but to flee. Not he, not he might flee. If you, if you do it long enough, then, he, then he, might, he might go away. No, he has no choice but to flee. The devil totally understands that he is lost. As, as I said, he's not all-knowing because he would never have allowed Jesus to go to the cross. He would, have done, he would have done everything to try and stop that from happening. He wouldn't have been able to stop it, obviously, but he would have tried to stop it. Okay, it was God's plan. But the devil knows that he no longer has a legal authority in your life. He, he totally knows that, he's, he's totally aware of that fact. Right? I was, I was i read somewhere once i don't even know where i read it but it was, it was really about um you know people who operate in the occult and stuff that they do like witchcraft and all kind of stuff and and um it was, uh, it was a christian thing about it, it wasn't just like reading odd stuff okay so it was, it was talking about christian in a christian context and what it was talking about how much people who are involved in witchcraft you know people who really get deeply into this stuff um and it's very satanic and, and not good they, they absolutely are terrified of the name of jesus absolutely terrified in the name of Jesus. They, they know full well the, the, the power that is carried in that name. They know full well the authority that is carried in that name. And of course, you see that, as, as I mentioned earlier, when, when Jesus, was, Jesus was just kind of like walking down the road and, and demons were flying out left, right, and center, Jesus wasn't even casting them out half the time, right? They, they knew full well who he was, and that's just, just as true now as it was then. The demons recognize the authority that Jesus has. Amen? So resist the devil, and he has no choice but to flee. He has no right to cause sin in your life. Remember, our sinful nature has been dealt with anyway. It's been, nailed to the, it's been nailed to the cross. But we will be tempted to sin, and sometimes we do mess up, and, and we just have to confess it and put it right. But the devil has no right to do anything in your life. He puts thoughts in your life. He has no choice but to flee. Resist him. Amen? There's people who take authority in situations in our lives. So too, too many... I'm just going to kind of say this but I think I can say it as a pastor okay this is not judging anyone I don't even know most of you anyway okay but too many Christians are just too too passive they're just too laid back about everything well this has happened to me and woe is me and then this happened and then this happened it's like man take some authority over this stuff this is kind of, a, <laughs> we'll like, grab people sometimes. But I wouldn't, obviously. That wouldn't be ethical, right? But just just kind of, just, just to encourage people, like, no, resist this stuff. You don't have to accept this stuff in your life. Take authority over this stuff. Take authority over your family. T- you know, take authority in your finances. Take authority in your circumstances, in, in this thing you're bleeding for with healing, as, as, as people mentioned earlier about bad reports they've had from doctors. Take authority in these situations. Never be passive Christians. Amen. Sometimes we can just be so kind of just laid back and we just allow things to happen, uh, allow things to happen in our life. You know, the way, the context I always see is like, it's like the difference between being proactive and being reactive. And too many Christians are just reactive in the sense that things happen in their lives and then they react to those things in their lives. Whereas proactive Christians are Christians that just like to stay focused. So when, when, when a circumstance just, just comes their way, they're already dealing with it. They're already taking authority over it. they no, in the name of Jesus, that is not going to have any authority in my life. Amen? Now I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in a land of a living. You start quoting Scripture. And we'll talk about that a bit more in a second about the power of Scripture. But you start quoting Scripture over that situation. No, what does God's Word say about it? What does, not, what does a doctor say? And I thank God for doctors that they're great, they're highly trained, they're brilliant. Okay, but, but what does God say about the situation? Amen? But so often we can just be so passive and just kind, of just, you know, just kind of laid back. Oh no, another thing's gone wrong again. No, let's be people who are proactive. We walk in the authority that Jesus has given us. Amen? We see those strongholds broken down. Amen? And in, in, in our area, then what's going on around, around here, let's see the, the strongholds in Waterlooville broken down. You know, the reality is there are spiritual forces in this area that don't want this church to be successful. They're real about this stuff. That's, that's absolutely happening. That is going on. I knew of one church, the church is quite local. It hasn't happened to family church, or not knowingly, anyway. But one church local to us, which is another Pentecostal church, where there, there was kind of the witchcraft going on in the area, and they kind of put some like, uh, satanic symbols and stuff outside the church. On, on a Sunday, on a Sunday morning, there was another one, another church. About because witchcraft is quite strong in the New Forest, um, in some parts. And um, there was a, another church where there was kind of like a dead sheep, and they'd put it on like the, the and sacrificed it, and put it on the like the, the like the plinth of the of the church entrance. Was, That's was about a year ago or so. This is, this is real stuff. There, there are people who don't want this church to be successful, right? But we don't have to fear any of the stuff. We just take authority over it. They have no right. Amen. Let's take back our authority and take back our, our rights. Amen. In, in God, praise God. Now, Jesus said, as we said earlier, Jesus said He will build His church. The gates of the gates of hell, the gates of Hades themselves, they cannot overcome what Jesus wants to do. People have been preaching the demise of the church for the last two thousand years. Now there are there are more Christians on the planet than there have ever been in the history of the planet. That's that's, that's reality. Because so often, you know, in our media, we have such a westernised view of view of view of the world. You know, less than ten percent of the world live in Europe and America. Those are the realities. Ninety percent of people don't live in Europe or America. We have to remember those those facts. And and Christianity is exploding all over the world. In, in South America, in China, the more they press it in China, the more Christ, they, there's estimated 100 to 150 million Christians just in China. The numbers are huge. There are more Christians. On earth, than they've ever been in its history. We have to remember this reality. The church, the church of God, the, the more and more it's preached that it's going to be, you know, about its demise, or the more they try and persecute it, the more it grows. I was reading yesterday about hundred, um, you know, all this kind of horrible stuff is happening in Israel and Gaza in the moment. There's 150, I think it was last week, 150 Gazans, a church was reporting this in Gaza, 150 Gazans who were Muslims came to know Jesus last week because they all had, they had a very similar dream about who Jesus was. You know, Muslims. I'm sure you probably know Muslims believe in Jesus. They believe he's a prophet. But obviously, have a very different view of what we have, but they do believe in Jesus and and that he existed. But they had this, this, this dream about who Jesus was as, as their savior and as their God, Amen. And 150 were saved uh, last week. You know, God is doing amazing things across this planet. So I never ever lose sight of that of what God is doing. But that comes down to the the, the fact and the reality that it's Jesus will build his church. And the devil and, and anyone who kind of works for him has got no right, and it's not, not going to win. Jesus is on the winning side. And if he will build his church, he will build his church. Amen? Thank God for what he's doing all across the world. But let's also people be believing that for Britain. Let's be believe that for, for Hampshire. Let's be believe that for Waterlooville. Amen? And across the south of England, that Jesus' uh, church will be built. Amen? And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Praise God. God is good, amen. So, as we people take authority, remember? let's be proactive, not reactive, amen. People are focused on on God. When when circumstances come our way, that might be difficult. We're not we're not shocked. We just we just we just walk in authority. Then that's not going to have that's not gonna no right in my life. There might be stuff going on in your family's life. It might be stuff your, your your kids. your kids might have got wrapped up in all sorts of stuff, or getting distracted at school, or getting in with the wrong crowd. Take authority over those situations, amen. Let's not be passive about it. Take authority in the spiritual realms. You know, what, what you do in terms of prayer and, and taking an authority over that, it's, it's great that any kind of conversation you could have with your, with your children, as important as those things are, take authority over it. The devil has no right to claim your kids. Amen? Amen. As for me, as uh, myself and Wendy, uh, we, we've always just believed this is, you know, what Joshua said: for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and we'll keep on, we'll keep on believing that. And through every, every challenge, we'll keep on believing that. Amen? Speak that, over your, speak that over your children and over your family. Amen. Amen. So let's get on to the armor of God. Time's going quick. Let's get on to the armor of God as we start to come towards a close. So Ephesians 6 verse 11, we read this earlier, it precedes a bit about our battles not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And so the armor of God is an amazing, is an amazing thing in our battle and this spiritual warfare that we're in. And, and the, we haven't got time to list to list all the different aspects of it, and that could be a whole series in itself, couldn't it? The whole armor of God. You could spend a whole week on each, on each aspect. Okay? But a couple of things I want to say about it. Is, firstly, the armor of God is defensive and it's offensive. It's about protecting us and it's about taking down the enemy. There's different aspects to it. Ephesians 6, verse um, 16 to 17, there's kind of two aspects I want to look at. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So two I particularly want to focus on the the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Now Paul was, the Bible tells us that Paul was a Roman citizen. You know, the the Roman army, they they dominated kind of Europe and the whole area um, at that time. The Roman army, were kind of the most feared army probably in history, I think more than likely. And this is kind of the, 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 the image that Paul would have had in mind. These great Roman soldiers had these massive swords, these incredible kind of rectangular shields. We're going to look at a picture in a minute, but not quite yet. Okay? But these, these huge shields that they had, these huge swords that they had, and they, and, and they were incredibly feared. And, and if you kind of know your history, they took right across Europe, including most of Britain as well. But this is kind of the soldier that Paul would have had in mind. Take up the shield of faith, which is which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and, and, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen? So, so remember, so the armor of God is offensive and it's defensive. So the shield of faith we can use to extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. But everything the enemy tries to throw at you, every circumstance, every situation, we can see those flaming arrows extinguished. Amen? The Bible says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Isaiah 54, 17, that's in. No weapon formed against you has any right to prosper in your life. So if, it's, if, you're, if you're battling some situations right now, if it feels like you're just being bombarded by the devil, there's like arrow after arrow after arrow after arrow, I just want to encourage someone, just rise up in faith this morning. Rise up your shield of faith. Amen? Because remember, the devil has no right to do anything in your life. He will try, but he has no right. Amen? Let's increase our faith, increase our expectation. You know, faith ultimately is trusting in God, believing who he is, he is who he says he is, and he can do what he said he can do. That's ultimately what faith is. And believing who God is, who he says he is, and he can do what he said he can do. Amen? That God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to the powers that work within us. Ephesians 3, verse 20. You know, that's the reality. This is the God that we serve. Amen? So be encouraged this morning. If you feel that you're dealing with loads of uh, flaming arrows of the enemy at the moment, just issue after issue after issue after issue, I just encourage you to raise a shield of faith this morning. Amen? And your trust in God. So as well as being defensive, it's also offensive. It's also about taking down the enemy. And it talks about the sword of the Spirit. So just remember, a two, um, there's loads of great stuff about the armor of God, but the two specifically I'm focusing on, the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. So it says to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, this is an incredible book that we've been blessed with. This is, this is, a, this is a gift to us. This is a gift to us as believers, amen? Amen? Because it is his sword. That's the what way what, Paul's describing it here. You know, notice when, when Jesus was in, was in the desert, just before his ministry, his three years of ministry started, he went to the desert, and this was all part of, part of God's plan. But as, as he was there, and the devil tried to tempt him, didn't he, in three different ways. And each time, I remember got time to look at it all this morning, but each time Jesus said, it is written, didn't he? That's how he counteracted it. It is written. He used his sword of the Spirit. Amen? He used his sword. Amen? So I'd encourage you to be people who know, know Scripture. Make sure we're re- reading Scripture or hearing Scripture, or however you kind of get it down deep into your heart, or reading and hearing it, and getting it down deep into your heart, because you can't use Scripture unless you know it. I know the Holy Spirit brings things into light. Sometimes it just kind of gives us Scripture, so that's true. Okay? But as a general principle, you can't quote Scripture unless you know what Scripture says. Amen? And we can use it against the devil. You no, know, it is written. Amen. I said earlier, it's, it's written, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. That's what that's, that's what it's written. That's what's written about my household. Amen. If you're dealing with a health situation, no, it's written. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That by His wounds I am healed. Amen. That's that's what that's what Scripture says. Come back at the devil with, "It is written." Amen. The devil again. The devil fears the Word of God. He knows that it's true, and he knows the authority that's carried within it, because again, because of who Jesus Jesus is, and He is the Word, of the Word made flesh. Amen. So Jesus was a great example of that. He said, it is written. So in our time of spiritual warfare, there's been people who pray, pray scripture. You don't even know where to start when, when it comes to praying. If you don't even know where to start in, in your situation, what to pray, get a scripture. Ask God for a promise for your situation. I mean, praying that and declaring that over your, over your situation. Amen? Use the, use the word of God as a weapon against the enemy. Amen? Praise God. You know, so that's what we can do as individuals. You know, but also we can do this t- together corporately. If you could put up the second the, the picture that I sent, if that's all right, please. And so as well as as well as individually, uh, uh, you know, being soldiers, having the armor of God within us, we can all do this corporately. So this this is a uh, these are just like some figures, that they've made okay. But this is what this is what the Roman army used to do. So this is again, this is what Paul would have had. Remember, this is what Paul would have had in his, in his mind. We have to understand the context which Scripture is written. This was, this was kind of how armies worked back then. And my wife's a history teacher. She teaches all this, all this, all this stuff. So I've asked her about it as well. It's what they used to do. So when the Roman armies, when they used to move together, what they used to do is, is so, they'd be, so they'd be like the guys around the edge. They'd put the, kind of put their sword out. But also then they'd put the shields around them. It's called, it was called the tortoise is what we used to call it because it's making like a hard shell over them. So basically, when they were like, um, you know, people were throwing spears, or if they were like going under a you know battlement, and they were, or arrows were arrows being fired down on, they'd all be protected. And I use that as a way of working together, in order in order to advance. Amen. You know, and this this is kind of the picture. This is what Paul would have had it in mind, because that was kind of what soldiers did in that time. But you know, but this is a picture of what we are as a church. This is a picture of what you are as Family Church Waterlooville. Amen? Yeah, so not just in your own individual lives using the sword of the Spirit and what the Word of God says and using it and understanding the authority in which you, which you can use it. it. It is written by the Word of God. Amen? And also rising, raising your own shield of faith to, to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. But when we all do that corporately, how much can we do for God together? How many strongholds can we see broken in this area? How many much new ground can you gain for God in, in Waterloo and this, this surrounding area when we all do this together, amen? When we all raise our shields of faith, when we all take out the swords of the Spirit, we all understand what the Word of God says and the authority within it, and, and, we, and we quote it and speak it to the devil, amen? When we resist the devil and he must flee. When we all do that together, there's so much corporate power in there, amen? When we all stand in God's authority together, I'm coming to a close. I really am now, <laughs> okay? But just a picture I also just had in my head was, was just about David and Goliath. I'm reading through one Samuel at the moment, and just about to get to David and Goliath. Um, but yeah, reading through that at, at the moment, and I love the story of David and Goliath, but I think it's got so many kind of spiritual contexts to it. You know, and the whole amazing story of God calls David, and, and he's kind of a young shepherd boy. He's probably a teenager at the time. And, and brings down this massive giant who, who'd been bringing fear into the Israelites. And we haven't got time to look at the scriptures, but so read it for yourself. I think it's chapter 17. I think it's 17 and 18. And, um, and 1 Samuel. And just that amazing story of what happens. Is Goliath, it's this giant, was coming out to go to the Israelites day after, day after day after day after day. And David was like, this is not good. This is not right. Who, who does this guy, this is this, I'm basically paraphrasing a little bit, this is, David was like, who does this guy think he is to take down the Israelites? I, I'm going to come against him in the armies of a living God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Think that he is. You know, this is the way we have to be with, with, with situations in spiritual warfare. Who does the devil think that he is to do that in our lives? He's got no right. He's got no authority. Amen? You know, maybe in your life right now you're facing some giants, and I believe that God wants to see those giants come down in Jesus' name. Amen? Remember, not because of anything we've done, David was not even doing it in his own strength at all he was just like a 14 year old kid with a sling and some stones right but god had taught him over and over again about, through him fighting it says about him fighting bears and lions that there would have been in israel at the time and kind of those amazing victories he'd already had he had total faith in god and what god could do so like, who does this giant think that he is and this is how we need to rise up against stuff going on in our own lives who does who does the devil think that he is who do these demons think that they are who do these giants think that they are who do these circumstances think that they are I come against them in the armies of a living God, in the name of a living God, in the name of Jesus. They have no right to be victorious in our lives. And if that's you in your life right now, and you're facing some big giants, giants of health, or financial situations, or, or family situations, or people in your, in your family that you're believing for, or spouses that, that don't even know God, or whatever the situations may be, I believe that God wants to see those giants defeated in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. Just going to pray a couple of prayers. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's just reach let's reach out our hands to God. I just want to just declare just over your over your situations. Just declare Jesus' name and it is His authority and victory over your circumstances. Lord God, thank you, Lord. Lord, you know every heart. Lord, you know every circumstance. Lord, you know every situation. Lord, that's represented here this morning. Every, every Goliath, every, every giant. Lord God, and, and Lord, and Lord, we recognise that we're in a spiritual battle. Lord, well, firstly, Lord, we thank you we're on the winning side. Thank you, Lord, that through the cross, you have, Lord, you, you have won well, victory for us. You've won power of, you have the power of, over sin and death. Lord, the devil has no right to do anything in our lives. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that our, our authority that has been given to that name. In the name of Jesus, just like just like Peter and John, silver and gold, we don't have what we do have. In the name of Jesus, we speak over those situations. Lord, we just declare wholeness. We just declare healing. Lord, we, pre- we, Lord, we declare provision. Or Whatever the situation may be, Lord, we declare salvation. Lord, God, we declare, Lord, that a lot of his children have gone away from you. Lord, they, they will come back to you. Lord, that you will do what only you can do. Lord, do financial miracles. Lord, miracles of health. Lord, God, miracles of salvation. Do what only you can do in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, and over this area, Lord God, Lord, we just stand against every, every stronghold that might be in this area, every power of Satan or people who are involved in the occult or anything that may be trying to stop this church from being everything, Lord, that you want it to be. We stand against it, in the mighty name of Jesus, because it has no right to prosper, no weapon has a right to prosper. We stand against it in Jesus' name. We just declare, Lord, your victory, Lord and, that, Lord, and you will build your church, Lord oh God. And even the gates of hell themselves, the gates of Hades, cannot stop, Lord, what you desire to do in this area. Lord, we just declare salvation over this area, Lord. We pray, Lord, for the carols next week. Lord, we pray, Lord, that will be significant, Lord, victory in the spiritual battle over this area. Lord, all sorts of other stuff go on in this area. Lord, it will be about declaring you, about declaring who you are, Lord, why Christmas matters, Lord, why you came as a baby, Lord, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, why that matters for them 2,000 years after it happens. I pray it be a great declaration of you. Lord, we thank you for the authority we have in your name. And we just, Lord, choose to be people who walk in that authority and to see those giants come down, to see their strongholds broken in the mighty, precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray, just pray a second prayer as well, just to remain standing. Just want to give an opportunity just for anyone this morning who... Maybe you've never invited God into your life, or maybe you've just kind of just gone off track in your life with God. You, you are a believer, but it's just kind of gone off track, and you, you just need to get some things back, um, you know, back on the right path, back on track with God, and just just kind of recommit this morning. But if that's you this morning, I'm just going to pray a prayer, and I just encourage you to pray it with all of your heart, and I promise you that God will come into your life. He'll start bringing change. You will know, you will know his peace in your life thank you God let's all just pray this together that's you this morning thank you Jesus for coming to earth to die for me I thank you that you love me I invite you now into my life ask you to change me to cleanse me to make me new I want to live for you I want to serve you the rest of my days in Jesus name amen if you prayed